And there's something powerful about singing in the face of the storm. You know, when the storm comes up, instead of you complaining and moaning, you sing. You sing praises and you push back against that thing. Amen. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Are you ready for the word this morning? Hallelujah. Today our message is called Stewards Together. That's a mini-series we're doing. I trust you guys were blessed by the series we did in the beginning of the year in terms of getting us ready to finish well. And of course, last week, the message to not only finish well, but finish using everything God has given you. All the resources He has given you, don't keep it, don't delay, use it for His glory. Amen? And our next series is going to be called, You Asked For It. It is based on those questions that last year you asked about the Bible, about Christian life. So our next series will be that. And we'll be starting that in two weeks' time. But today and next Sunday, I, uh, I felt we should stop a little bit and have this little mini-series on stewardship. It's called Stewards Together. And today we're going to be talking about three attitudes which you find in the Word of God. And then next Sunday, of course, we're going to talk about stewardship. We're talking about managing our assets, talking about money, about positions, about things. And you wonder, well, should we in church be talking about things and about money? And the answer is yes, and next week you're going to find out why. Not today, but next week I will show you why it is appropriate to talk about it in church. Now, I know that some churches, they talk about money every week. You know, you even feel, nah, here we go again. Every week there's a 15, 20-minute talk about money. And so they go overboard and they put pressure on people. Other churches hardly ever talk about money. I think we fall in that category. Uh, but the fact is, it is a biblical concept. And stewardship is a biblical thing. So yes, this week and next week, we're going to be talking about money and things in church. Okay? <laughs> and you say, oh, I'm not coming next week. Maybe you should come. Because you're going to find out why it is important about, to talk about these things. Why and what the Bible says about these things. Amen? But now, before, before I get into the message today, let's just pull back. I want to do a little bit of a survey quickly over here. And, and, and I want you to think, think about the people that you like. People that you love hanging around with. People that you are drawn to. Okay? Can you think of a couple of those guys? People that you enjoy. They are friends of yours. They are colleagues. They are family members. I don't know. People that you love, that you feel, you feel drawn to. You enjoy hanging out with them. And the question I, I want to ask you is, what do you like about the people that you like? What is it about those people that draw you to them? Are you thinking about it? Okay, now, shout out. out. Let, let me hear some things. What is it that you like about those people? Say, Shout. Positive? Help. Help? What? They help. They help. Yeah, thank you. Huh? They love God. What else? Sorry, somebody else first? Huh? They? Oh, they give gifts. Okay. And somebody else said? Positive influence. What else? They Christians? Anything else? They, they're loving. Yeah. They're funny. They're what? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Nice thinking on some crazy people, eh? Now, listen. Uh, thank you for, for that. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other things. Um, I, I, I noticed nobody said they're good looking. 
So either it doesn't matter to you or you really have a bunch of ugly friends. <laughs> but, but here's the point. As you are shouting those things, did you notice everything that you mentioned to me about the people, about the things that draw you to people, they're all attitudes. They're all choices. To be loving, to be helpful, to give gifts, to be funny, to be crazy, it's a choice. <laughs> you see, what makes people attractive to you is not what they have as much as their attitude. So guess what will make you attractive to other people? Attitude. An attitude is a choice. And you know what? Attitude also makes us attractive to God. You read the Bible and you find there are some dudes there that really ticked God off. Other people God really loved. And when you follow the story, you realize it's not so much what they had, but their attitude towards God, towards love, towards life, towards others. And what does this have to do with our theme today? Stewards, together. You know what? It has everything to do with our theme. You see, because talking about stewardship, we're talking about generosity. We've just celebrated communion. It, this table has generosity written all over it. From God the Father and God the Son. Both giving to the point of hurting. And we're family. And so let's keep the trait in the family. And the one thing which the devil often attacks in Christians is this very act of giving. And so let's speak a little bit about this thing today and, um, and understand what stewardship is. What is the meaning of the word steward? Steward simply means to manage or look after another's property. That's what a steward is. In the biblical times, a steward was one who transacted business in the place of another. He was the one who had the administration of affairs in the absence of the householder who provided for the family, who was entrusted with the payment of laborers and servants. He was commonly the most trusty and faithful of the servants, raised to that station as a reward for his fidelity. In other words, he was dependable, faithful, and trustworthy. And the two Greek words used in the New Testament for stewards, they both mean manager or overseer. Therefore, as, an, as, an, as a steward, you lived out of your master's goods, resources, and you managed those resources, and you distributed those resources. And as you study the New Testament, you find that God calls us to be stewards of the things he has, the things he has given to us. Stewards, they didn't possess anything. They were servants. Often a slave raised to that position. But you should see how these guys lived, man. They had their own quarters, their own stuff. They ate of the best food, had good clothes, all provided by the master. 
And then they were entrusted to make sure the family was looked after. The laborers were paid. The bills were paid. The things were done. And they were doing all this with money which was not theirs. <laughs> nice, eh? But they had to be faithful. They couldn't abuse it. Because they had to give an account to the master. When the master would come back home from his business trips and so on, he'd sit down with the steward and they'd go through the books and through the stuff. And every time the books balanced and things were good, things were humming, Mars said, you good and faithful servant, man. And if you see the parables which Jesus spoke about stewardship, you often find there's this good and faithful servant and he gives them a little bit more because when God can trust you with little, he can trust you with much. The problem is sometimes when you've got little, we say, I'm going to hold this because this is all there is. Well, what does the Bible say? We have to, again, come back to the Bible. What does Scripture say? Psalm 24, verse 1, it says the following. The earth is the Lord's, and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in them. Oh, wow. So it kind of seems to me that God owns like everything. The whole universe, the earth, and everybody in it. And we thought we were independent, and we thought, you know, it was my stuff. You see, when you understand the reality of things, and this is eventually going to become known to everybody, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. In Colossians 1.16, it says, All things were created through Him and for Him. God created everything for Himself. And in Him, all things consist. Do you know that you are sitting here today and breathing because God is keeping you alive? And I don't care whether you're good or bad. God is keeping you alive. It's a gift. Life is a gift. Everything that you have ultimately came from God. No, pastor. I studied. I worked hard. I sweated to get what I've got. Really? Who gave you the strength, the wisdom, the ability, the thoughts, the ideas, the creativity? Huh? Came from Him. And our biggest mistake is to think that everything we are and everything we have is because we made it ourselves. We talk about self-made people. Yes, they built on, on gifts and abilities. But who gave those gifts and abilities in the first place? And so the Bible says that everything is for, from him and for him. There are the scriptures as well. There are many scriptures. I'm thinking, for example, in 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 20, he kind of repeats the, uh, the, the Old Testament verse when it says, you know, the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. In, in 1 Chronicles 29, 11, it says, Yours, the Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and all that is in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give Strength to all. Everything we have, everything we are, ultimately comes from God. Yes, we work. Yes, we use. Yes, we utilize the resources which God gives us, the gifts He gives us, the time He gives us. 
but ultimately everything comes from God. So, what is stewardship then? It's a biblical worldview, which can be defined as utilizing and managing all resources God provides for the glory of God and the betterment of His creation, because the earth is the Lord's. But here's a nice, a nice un understandable definition of stewardship. Here we go. Stewardship. What is it? Stewardship is using God-given abilities, because every ability we have comes from whom? Yeah. Oh, oh no, pastor, it's genetic. It comes from my parents and my ancestors. Really? And who put it there in the first place? It's ultimately everything comes from God. So stewardship is using God-given abilities. And all of us have abilities. Different sets of abilities. To manage God-given resources. And you all have resources. To accomplish God-given results. And when I'm talking about resources, I'm talking about treasure, time, and talent. Those are the big three groups of resources. We all have treasure. We have some amount of money or property or possessions or material things. I can see everyone is dressed this morning, so at least you got one set of clothes. That's a resource, okay? <laughs> and we all have a set of material resources, but we also have been given time. If you're breathing, your time is not up yet. And we have an amount of time given to us on this earth. What are you doing with it? Last week's message was really challenging. Every day that goes by is it. This Sunday is gonna, not going to be repeated ever again in your life. Use it wisely. Do not be mediocre about your life. Use your time wisely. So we all have time. And we all have talent. Abilities, different talents, different gifts, different things we know how to do. There are some things I'm, I'm good at. You will never do what I can do in those areas. But guess what? There are things that you are good at. You can do. I will never do what you can do no matter how hard I tried. And so we all have this combination of gifts and talents. We all have an amount of time allocated to us. And we all have some form of material possessions all of which comes from God to accomplish God-given results. God wants us to use everything we are, our lives, for His glory, to do things which have eternal value. Even though we're dealing with material things which will pass away, we must choose them in such a way that they have eternal value. And as believers, this must be our cry. And you see, stewardship is all a matter of attitude. The question is, do you realize that all you have is a gift of God? Or do you think you became who you are on your own? Do you see yourself as a manager of everything you have or as an owner of all that you possess? Here's the difference between a manager and an owner. If you see yourself as a manager of everything you have, there is an attitude of thankfulness in your heart. You look around and you see what you've got and you say, wow, look, look what I've got. God is good. He enabled me to, to have this. Look at my wife, my family, my kids, and my little house. And, 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 and you know, yeah, thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm grateful for what I've got. 
Some might have a big one, some might have a small house, doesn't matter. We are thankful for what we've got because we acknowledge it's being given to us and we are managing it. But if you are the, see yourself as the owner, you go, hey, 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 look, look at my house. Look at my car. Hey, this is mine, eh? Oh, I worked hard for this, eh? Uh, it's mine. Look, look, look what I've done, you know? There's pride over there. If you see yourself as a manager, you understand you're dealing with the master's kingdom. If you think you're the owner, it's about your kingdom, and you're going to defend it like everything you've got, because it's mine. Huh? You're mine, huh? Don't touch. Don't touch. Yeah? There's that attitude of, of defenseness. If you're a manager, you understand everything you've got is transient. In other words, nothing lasts forever. It's here today, gone tomorrow. You understand you've got to use it while you've got it. Because it's going to pass away. So do something while you can that makes it, that gives it eternal value. If you're an owner, you think it's permanent, so you hold on to it. Huh? This is mine. You see, it's mine. It's, mine. it's going to last forever. It's so forever. And you become possessive, defensive. You have sleepless nights because you're scared somebody's going to take what is yours. Because you're the owner. If you're a manager, you want to please another. You want to please your master, and you want to please those around you. Yes, you use it for yourself, but because you've got agape love in you, agape love wants the best for the other. And so you use your stuff, your time, your talent, your positions to love for the good of another. If you're the owner, all you're going to do is please yourself. Bugger the others. It's all about me. I'm going to please myself. Get your own, man. Go work for it, you lazy. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's a completely different attitude, whether you're a manager or owner. Where are you? Do you see yourself as owner of everything you've got? Possessive, retaining, defensive? Or do you see yourself as manager of someone who entrusted all these wonderful things to you? And now you are ad- administrator, using it to the best of your ability. Huh? We understand dealing with positions in the earthly realm, but not so much in the spiritual realm, especially earthly positions, money, and so on. We, we often don't understand that there is a spiritual value to it. There's a spiritual connotation to it. For example, if you earned a thousand rand this week, okay, how much of it belongs to God? <laughs> huh? and, and some people will say, hey, nothing belongs to God. It's mine. I, I mean, I worked for it. I worked my butt off to get this money. Work hard, long hours. I sweated, man. This money's mine. <laughs> then you don't understand that you're only a manager. You think you own it. You don't realize that it could be taken from you just like that. But some of you will be spiritual. You say, oh, I, I know, I know, I know. I earned a thousand bucks. Oh, a hundred bucks belongs to God. Ten percent. I'm a tither, man. I'm going to give ten percent to God. That's what belongs to him. So you're the kind of person that loves God with ten percent of your life, right? You're a 10% lover. 10% of your money, 10% of your time, 10% of your talents. The rest is yours. You can do whatever you want with it. But if you understand stewardship, you understand that the whole thousand rands belongs to God. It doesn't mean you bring the thousand rand and give it to church on Sunday. I don't mean that. What I mean is, you know you've got to use those thousand rands wisely to the glory of God. You're not going to do something stupid with you're not going to take that money and do something which is self-destructive, which is harmful to you or harmful to others. 
You're going to use that money wisely in a way that brings glory to God because everything you have belongs to God. And you're going to treat it as such. Not as something that is yours to do whatever you want, but something which God has entrusted to you for you to manage it on his behalf. Are you thinking? Huh? It's a bit of a different perspective, isn't it? The world doesn't teach us that. The world teaches us that there is not enough in this world. And if you happen to grab something, hold on to it for your life. Because there is not enough. Well, the Bible says differently, doesn't it? So, let's quickly look at, at some attitudes. And we're going to go to a passage in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. I'm sure you've, 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 you're familiar with the passage. You've heard about that. It's the passage of the Good Samaritan. And uh, in, the, in this passage, Jesus is, uh, is teaching. And uh, a teacher of the law comes up to him and, and, and he says, uh, 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 Jesus, uh, what, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And, and the guy says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, hey, you answered right, man. Dude, you know your scripture. That's it. Do that. Easy. And you have eternal life. <laughs> but the, the guy wanting to justify himself, in other words, wanting to excuse himself, and find reasons not to do that and love your neighbor, you ask, who is my neighbor? <laughs> like, look around you. And so Jesus proceeds to tell him the story of this guy. Guy was going down the road and a bunch of thieves, thieves attack him, leave him there for dead, take all his possessions. And so down the road comes a priest. And he sees this guy and he kind of steps around because, I mean, he's a priest, right? He's got stuff to do. He's got a church to run. <laughs> All right? So, pray for you, man. <laughs> and off he goes. There's now comes a Levite. Another worker in the temple. One of the worshipers. You know, worship leader. <laughs> comes past there. Oh, man, I'd love to help him. I, I, I've got church, man. And off he goes as well. And then down the road comes a Samaritan. And back in the day, uh, Samaritans or Jews didn't like Samaritans. And Jesus is talking to Jews here, by the way, okay? And, 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 and they didn't like these Samaritans. They were like otherwise people. And Samaritan comes down and he sees the guy on the road and, and he stops. Bible says he, he, he took care of the guy. He took some wine and, and some oil and, and he patched him up. In those days they used to use, you know, like wine when people are sick, help them. They still use it today, I think, sometimes to help people feel better. <laughs> and so he, he kind of helps the guy and so on and puts him on his animal, takes him to a hotel and treats him a bit more, leaves some money there for the guy to take care of him. And then Jesus asks this teacher of the law, so who do you think of those three guys who was the neighbor to the fallen man? And the guy says, well, the one who helped him. <laughs> and Jesus says, you're right. Now you go and do the same. <laughs> Simple. Nice story. But in the story we see three attitudes. And that's what we want to Kind of focus on today. The first attitude is over there. The first attitude is this. What is yours is mine. And I'm going to take it. That was the attitude of the thieves. They saw this dude coming by. He's got stuff. He's on the road. He's carrying some money, some possessions. Oh, this goes my stuff. Hit the guy over the head. Take the stuff. Because what is yours is mine, okay? And I'm going to take it. 
Now, as Christians, we don't want to identify ourselves with, the attitude, with that attitude. It is sinful. It is greedy. And yet, look around us in society today. We are surrounded by people in all levels of society which behave just like that. Whatever is out there belongs to them. Whether it is in your home, in your yard, in the street, whether it is cables, whether it is whatever it is. Cars. Oh, I like this car. What is yours? It's now mine. Bye. I'm going to take it. It's a horrible attitude. It's a destructive attitude. But there are people who have that attitude. Because they think if they don't take it, they'll never have it. It's a scarcity mentality. Second attitude is what you find in the Levite and the priests. And that attitude which says, what is mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. <laughs> because it's mine. Now, these people, they're usually nice people. They don't take other people's stuff. They don't steal. They don't cause waves. They're usually good people. But they take what they've got and they put a big fence around it. And they hoard it. And they keep it. They get all they can, they put it in a can, and then they sit on the can so that nobody can get to it. <laughs> uh, well, it's better than the first attitude, but it's not good enough, is it? Because what good is it doing outside your little sphere, your little family, your little group? Some people have this set of rules. Yeah, the guys, they, they, they're going to church. They've got things to do. They can't be distracted by this. Somebody else will handle him. I, I'm, I'm not qualified. I don't know what to do. And so often we have a little set of rules, our, our religious stuff perhaps. And we just focus on that and we don't want to know about the other people, the sinners and, and the fallen people and, and the hurting people because, man, I've got enough to worry with me and my family and no, 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 no. And we don't want to look outside our fence, our comfort zone. And so we maybe even live legalistic lives. We need to understand that we are not responsible just for ourselves, but for others too. God has placed us on this earth, not just to have a relationship with Him, but out of that relationship with Him, touch the life of others as well. And that, doing that sometimes means using some of our resources for them. Some of our time. Some of our talent. Some of our treasure. To communicate the love of God. To help our fellow man. Huh? We are not on this earth just for others. For ourselves. But for others too. Much of what we enjoy today. Is due to what the others before us have done. And what we do today will determine what others in the future will enjoy. Do you realize that? Life is not just about us, about me, what I've got now. A little boy once saw his grandfather planting apple trees. A little boy, he saw this elderly man, and he's thinking, apple trees, geez, these things take ages. And so he walked up to his grandfather, and he says, Asked him why he was planting apple trees. Meaning, Grandpa, you're going to be dead in a couple of years, man. Why are you bothering planting apple trees? You're never going to eat apples, man. Now, the grandpa understood the boy's question. And so he said, 
I'll never taste an apple from these trees that I'm planting. But understand this. The world does not stop when I die. I came into this world and ate apples from trees I did not plant that others before me had planted. Have you, have you ever, did you ever eat an apple from a tea, tree you did not plant? Let me ask you this question. Did you ever eat an apple from a tree you did not plant? Guys, I think every apple that I've eaten in my whole life, I've eaten from trees that I did not plant. Up till today. I've never eaten an apple from a tree I planted. What about you? Ever stop to think about that? Somebody in the past did something which is feeding you today, helping you today. And so Grandpa said, every time you eat an apple, it's because somebody else understood that life is more than you and your circle. It's your responsibility to leave something for others when you're gone. And then Grandpa concluded saying, when I die, I will be with Jesus, but I want to leave something for others when I am gone. So attitude number two, which says what is mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. It is good, but it's not good enough because it does not think of others. Let's look at attitude number three. And that was the Samaritan. His attitude was, what is mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. He's, he's got stuff, but he's got an open hand. He's not holding on to it. He's got an open hand. He comes across a situation, and he's willing to take a little bit of his time and put it over there, a little bit of his skills and knowledge, you know, his talents, and put it over there. Obviously, he knew how to do some first aid or something. So he put a little bit over there, took a little bit of his money, put it over there to help the guy, and give, give the guy a place to stay at the inn to recover. What is mine is yours. And I'm going to give it. Amen. So he used everything he has. In 1 Corinthians 10, 24, it says, let no, one think, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. We are called to think of others as well, and not just of ourselves. Now, some people might say, oh, but, but, but I, 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 I don't have the time. I'm too busy. To do stuff, to help, to give. I can't volunteer. I, I, I can't give. I'm, I'm, I'm just... Uh. I just say, man, I don't have an opportunity to give. I don't have anything to give. And therefore, I cannot give. Listen, those priests were busy. They could say, I don't have time. But don't you think the Samaritan was busy too? The guy was probably on a business trip. He was about to do something. The guy was busy too. But he stopped. To help someone in need. Maybe you don't have much. But you've got something that you can use. How many times people have told me. Oh pastor. I, 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 I'm just waiting until a little bit more. Until I, I have a little bit more. You know. If I can just do this thing. And, and get so much money. I'm going to give this to the church. And so on. And I say brother. Why are you waiting for that? Do what you can now. But they don't. They sit waiting, sit waiting for the day when they know more, when they can do more, when they have more, and that day never comes. And they lose an opportunity to help, to give, to be generous, to reflect the love of God to others, to do something towards the church of God, to, to build the kingdom of God, because they're waiting. Listen, 
every one of us, we have something that we can do now. Let me close by talking about the importance of attitude. Four points very quickly. Number one, your attitude is more important than your ability. Your ability to give may be limited, but your attitude is more important than your ability. I mean, you remember the story of the little lady in the temple, uh, you know, during time offering. She's busy giving, and she gives two worthless coins. Jesus stops the offering and says, Hey, guys, look at this lady. She's given more than all of you. <laughs> and there were some big bucks there in the temple that day. Some guys giving a lot of money. And, and, and Jesus looking at this lady with two little cents. Why? Why did so little mean so much? You see, because to Jesus, it's not so much how much you give that matters, but what you give up that matters. That shows your heart, shows your attitude. That lady gave up everything she had. Maybe that was the money that she was maybe going to buy lunch for her that day. She had no idea if she was going to get more the next day. But she, she didn't bring it to the temple to give it to the priests or to the Levites. She came to give to God. Her attitude is, I'm honoring God with what I've got. And I'm willing to give up the little I have to glorify God. That his work can go on. And Jesus honored that woman. Listen, it's now 2019 and we're still talking about this woman. Huh? Because God looks at your attitude, not at how much. It's not, it's not the, the coldness of the figures that matters, but the warmth of the heart when you give. You see, because you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Come on, think about it. You, know, you, you guys who are a bit older, you've got wives and so on. Now. Remember when you were young and you had nothing? And you started dating that girl. You had nothing, but somehow you found something to give her. Those of you who are young, you, you know, when you've got a friend and so on, you, you've got nothing, or very little, but you find something to give. Maybe you're going through a difficult patch in your life and there's not much at home, but you find a way to give something to the one you love. You spend a bit, a bit extra, extra time with them. You do something for them that they like. You get something simple, not expensive, but meaningful. Because you see, you cannot love without giving. Love will always give. And folks, generosity is an attitude. Generosity is a condition of heart. Generosity is an attitude. Number two, your attitude is more important than your position. The priest had position. The Levite had position. The Samaritan was considered by the Jews like dogs. He had no position in society. And yet, guess who helped the man? The guy with no position. And sometimes you think, oh, one, one day when I've got influence, when I've got power, when I become this, then I'm going to do something for God. Stop it. Do it now. Do something for God now. Help somebody now. Be generous now. It's not position that matters. Number three. Your attitude is more important than your timing. Oh, if only I had time to be there. Oh, if only I had time. If I had been there. Listen, wherever you are, do something. Whenever you can, do something. Don't wait for the right time. Don't wait for the right season. The time is now. And number four, 
become an active giver now. When Jesus finished the conversation with that guy, he asked him, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. In other words, become an active giver now. You see, attitude is a choice. Being a giver is a choice. But what I hear, what I read here, is that it's also a command. Just says, go and be generous. Go and be a giver. Go and do likewise. It's a command. And Jesus will never ask you and I to do something which we cannot do. Because he's never unfair to us. Hello? If he says, go and do likewise, it's because he has given you something. You've got something in your hand that you can bless somebody with. That you can do something for God with. You've got a gift. You've got an ability. You've got an amount of time. You've got some possession that you can use to the glory of God. It can be in all three categories. can be in one or two but all of us have something that we can use for his glory. Go, become an active giver now. Amen? So, let's, let's apply this. Let's take time today to evaluate in your life in the area of giving. We want to finish well. If you want to finish well, it means we need to become Better givers. I wonder if I can encourage you and challenge you to consider this year becoming a better giver than last year. A better giver to the church. A better giver to your family. A better giver to your community. A better giver at work. A better giver of what? Of whatever God has put in your hand. You know what's in your hand. You know what you've got. Go and, go and, go and take a look. Because sometimes we are so busy and we, are so, we, 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 are so, we think there's so little that we, we need so much. There's, there's so, so much scarcity in our minds. We don't even realize the stuff that is in our hands. Often in the word of God, God asks the, asks the question, what is in your hand? Uh, oh. <laughs> when, when Moses was asked that question, he was holding a stick. He's holding the stick. When God asked that, he was so surprised. That's all I've got. I didn't even notice I had this thing in my hand. This manita stoki. What on earth can I do with a stick against the king of Egypt with his armies and everything else? But you see, a stick in your hand with God's blessing is worth so much more than the riches of Egypt. Come on. What is in your hand? How can you be a better giver this year? Which of those attitudes do you identify with the most? Which one would you like to be a major at? How are you giving your talent? How are you giving of your time? How are you giving of your treasure, money, positions? Please, let's go before the Lord this week and consider 
how we could increase our giving this year. It could be giving financially. It could be giving of your time. It could be giving by using your talent. All of these in the service of God and for God. It's not too late to consider being a volunteer at church in, in some things. And next week we're going to continue. And next week we're going to look looking further at how we as believers and as a church can use material positions. We're going to talk about money next week. And you're going to ask, how can we do that better for the glory of God? And you see, when you use these things, when you use your, your talents and your gifts and so forth, use these things for the service of God and help try your best to produce God-given results. So, let's uh, consider these things. Let's take time to ponder about these things. Let's think of these attitudes and consider our attitude of heart and make the right changes. And let us together, as individuals and together as a church, be stewards together for the glory of God. Amen? Let's stand and let us close in prayer. <clears throat> Father God, I want to, to pray for every person standing in front of me, every person listening to this recording right now. And as I I visualize those who are listening right now as I look over this congregation, Father. I see stewards. I see good stewards. I declare in the name of Jesus, everyone under the sound of my voice, I prophesy and I declare, you are good stewards. You have been called by God. You have been equipped by God with treasure, talent, and time. And in Jesus' name, we will endeavor this year to become better stewards, good stewards, generous people, better givers to the glory of God. And so, Father, I pray, I pray your blessing. Father, I pray that there will be such a change of attitude in our hearts that not only we will be more attractive to you, Lord God, but that it will cause us to be entrusted by you with more things, treasure, talent, and time, Lord God, to use for God-given results, Lord God. And so I thank you for an expansion of our understanding for a blessing that you understand you're not limited by the systems of this world, but we serve a limitless God. I pray that this year, your people see provision like never before, my God. Coming from you, it will be an acknowledgement that although it might involve things we do, but ultimately, it is God opening doors, God providing, God multiplying for your glory only, Father. So now may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon each one of us as we endeavor to be stewards together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, give God the glory. Amen.